Welcome to the Stay Curious podcast brought to you by Alpha UK. My name's Chloe and this is Alex. This podcast is all about being open-minded, staying curious and fueling your intrigue. We're going to be hearing stories from people all across the UK and beyond. We're going to be covering big things, small things, the totally irreverent as well as the deeply theological. We hope you have fun listening along. Welcome to this week's episode of the Stay Curious podcast. But before we get into it, Alex is letting us know his 40 before 40. So that's 40 challenges that he wants to do before his 40th birthday. So Al, have you I've ticked got, any of the list? I've got 20 years to go. I've got nine months left to go. Nine months? Oh my goodness. Nine months left to go. And so far in my challenges, I ate an oyster for the first time. I cycled from Bordeaux to Toulouse in 48 hours. Wow. But I, I'm not, I've never sort of cycled before, so that was a, that was a bit of a challenge. You cycled 48 hours having never cycled before. Yeah, yeah. Yes. How did you feel after sore, that? Sore. Sore. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you are actually a regular cyclist. I you? cycle everywhere. I don't hate cars, hate um, anything. I like trains and bikes. Yeah. That's it. I didn't enjoy this bike, but um, I think... It does. Yeah. I think I've had my best weekend of 40 before 40, and it was in Wales, God's own country. Okay, tell yeah, me about Wales that. is beautiful, Swansea. <laughs> Swansea's where the I'm... Mumbles. It is beautiful, yes. We did have the gumbles, the gumbles and the mumbles. <laughs> I went down to Brecon and had, wow, less than 24 hours in Brecon, but um, we went and climbed Sugarloaf. Is it yep. called Sugarloaf? Yep. Sugarloaf, Sugarloaf Mountain, Mountain. In, the, in the morning. Um, came back downstairs, downstairs, down the mountain, and there was a Welsh vineyard where you could yeah. do wine tasting. So yeah. did that for lunch. Nice. And then went to do the four waterfalls walk. Nice. And did some wild swimming in a waterfall. Jumped off a waterfall, did some swimming, which I've never what done What time before. of year was this? January? Was it? No, no, no. It was August. August. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not very wild. <laughs> very proud of myself for jumping. So wild swimming was the 40 before 40? Well, climb a mountain... Wine tasting and um, wild Wild swimming with three ticked off. Oh, you took three? Yeah, really good What a productive week. I know. I felt really pleased, actually. And we're joined by Nikki Gumbel. Nikki, welcome. Thank you. Lovely to be with you. You do a little bit of wild swimming yourself? I do a little bit of wild swimming. A little bit. I swim in the Serpentine um, uh, year-round for the first time last year, and I'm planning to do it, God willing, this year. When you say year-round, how long are you in then when it's cold? Uh... 10 seconds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is it for health reasons or just for the challenge? Well, I, I swim a lot. I mean, I, you know, I swim a bit further at the moment. Normally I swim like, uh, yeah, normally I swim 400 meters a day, but then like sometimes I go 600 or 800 if there's bad, a maximum kilometer um, uh, in the summer, but then in the winter it just gets shorter and shorter. And when there's ice, it's like, oh. um, don't get cut. Uh, oh. By the ice, uh, it's like. But the thing is, actually, in the winter, after ten seconds, you feel so amazing at, at that temperature. It's more than swimming like four hundred meters now is is doesn't give you the same buzz that swimming at uh, ten seconds when it's really cold. Wow, sounds horrible. It's uh, it ought to be illegal. It's, it gives you such a high. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Nikki. <laughs> well, each week we ask you guys who are listening some questions, what you're curious about. And we've had a question from Katie from Cardiff, who this week is curious to know, do you have any car crash stories about trying to share your faith? So oh, That's a really good question. Um, 
Oh, you know what? I haven't got a car crash story about um, sharing my faith, but I've got a car crash story about coming back from the Alpha Weekend away where I first became a Christian. And actually, you were on that weekend, Nikki. It was in November 2007. And on the Saturday of the Alpha Weekend away, there are three talks about the Holy Spirit. And on the Saturday evening, there's an opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I was living in a house in Southfields, an area of South London. And we had, I had three housemates, one who was a Christian, was, who was the person who'd invited me to Alpha, and then two people who had no Christian background whatsoever, a guy called Nick and a girl called Leah. And I got back on maybe the Sunday evening after being away for this whole weekend, and my housemate Leah said, so well, she was Welsh actually, she was oh. um, from North Wales, which is like, how was the weekend, Al? Did she say it like that? No, like, <laughs> Come on. Go on. So, how was the weekend, Al? <laughs> Very good. Thanks. And she, uh, I said, oh, well, yeah, no, we looked at the person, the Holy Spirit. And, and I thought, I've just experienced something really transformational. I'd love to share it with her. So I said, actually, it was not at all what I expected. There were moments that were really unexpected. For example, on the Saturday evening, people were speaking in tongues. And she went, well... Who's been snogging who then? <laughs> <laughs> no, not that. Not that then, kind of spent the next sort of hour trying to explain it wasn't that sort of speaking in tongues. Leah. It was actually being filled with the Holy Spirit and angelic language. So, no, that sort of didn't really. Uh, she didn't do Alpha actually That's for a while. That's a tricky one to explain. Yeah, what about you? You got one? Um, not about sharing my faith, but about praying for healing. So, most people I ask, you know, can I pray for you? For that sickness they say yes I'd love that but I remember one time I was in a restaurant with Russo and we'd ordered a pizza and the waiter came over and he was explaining that he was in loads of pain with his arm and and I said well I go to a church where we often pray for people can I pray for you he said um yeah sure okay let me just go get your order and he left and he never came back <laughs> Left the, left the restaurant. I'm not sure, but I never saw him again. So that's my car crash story. What about you, Nikki? Oh, I've had lots. You know, I've I first encountered Jesus when I was 18, and I was I just wanted to tell everybody, and I I literally tried everything. We did. We had questionnaires. So you went out on the street, and you, the first question was, "What did you have for breakfast?" Last question, would you like to ask Jesus into your life? <laughs> How many questions in class? 20 questions, but eventually got to. Uh, and the worst one I remember is we did, HCB had a mission. This is a long, long time ago, uh, which involved visiting every house in the parish and inviting them to a mission that we were doing called Step Forward. And uh, the idea was we would cover every house in... Actually, it was, I think it was the Billy Graham mission. This, this was, uh, Billy Graham came in 1989, so that would have been then. Um, and we would ask everyone in the parish. So I, at that time, my parents were living in the parish. And I, one of the areas I was given was actually the square and street where my parents lived. Um, so, wow. um, <laughs> you can see knocked, where this is going. We knocked, we knocked on this door. Um, and um, the person who opened it said, oh, come on in. Oh, no. So we so went in and there, was, there were several people in there. And, um, uh, and then someone came in and said, who are those people there? And they thought we were the guests at their dinner party. And oh, no. So they invited us in and we had to tell them that we'd, <laughs> we'd come to ask them to Billy Graham. There was a fairly fast exit. <laughs> 
Yeah. Did you find out what they had for breakfast? I had no <laughs> idea what they had. That they, um, yeah, no, we. It wasn't the twenty step. It questions. was not. It was just so embarrassed. It was a car crash, literally a car crash. Wow. Um, Nikki, there are lots of things we're asking people about on this podcast, and we are keen to be open-minded and to be curious both about people's stories and about their experience with mission and evangelism. And we've been so excited about you joining us on the podcast because you have got a rich history of being involved in evangelism all across the UK and internationally. But one thing over the last few years that we've seen you fighting for passionately is for racial justice, both inside the church and outside of the church. And Chloe and I were um, thinking earlier that we've heard you speak about how that's quite personal to you. And we wondered if there was a particular moment when the Holy Spirit illuminated this um, area and set you in motion to fight for racial justice. I, I think it goes back to two things. One is my family, my uh, father, and the other is now my children. And they... Uh, they form two sides of the passion. The first is my father. Um, my mother took me for a walk when my sis I was 14. My sister's 18 months older. And she said, your father is Jewish and German, and you are never to speak to him about it. And I never did. Never spoke to my mother. Both of them died. Um, and I knew nothing at all about my father's life until... A few years ago, I was contacted by a museum in Berlin who were researching my family, and they said, what do you know about your family? So I said, nothing, what do you know? And they sent me a file, which included my um, family tree. And I saw there that my uh, great-grandfather was called Moses. My great-great-grandfather was Abraham, not the Abraham, but <laughs> Abraham. And, um, but I also saw the concentration camps in which so many of my family died. Mm -hmm. And I realized why my father couldn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. He was suffering from post-traumatic stress. And that had an impact on, of course, my relationship with him and probably on the way I bring out my children and you, you uh, or brought out my children when they were at home and maybe even on how they bring up their children mm -hmm. because, uh, what I saw is the evils of racism. Mm. I mean, the Holocaust was, and the slave trade were probably two of the greatest evils in uh, the history of racial injustice. And the impact of it is so massive, not just on that generation, but it goes on for a long time. And we think we're far away from it, but I read this week that someone is being prosecuted uh, in Germany, who's 98 years of age, and he's been prosecuted, I think, for involvement in 25,000 murders. Wow. Prosecuted in a juvenile court at the age of 98 wow. because he was 17 wow. at the time that he was involved in, in the... So you, it, it, this is not a long time ago. Yeah. There are people still alive today who were killing people in Auschwitz. Um, so that's one reason I feel very, very passionate about it. And the slave trade was another injustice in which the Church of England was involved. And the Windrush generation was a terrible example of, uh, I was speaking to somebody two days ago, lovely um, uh, person from the Caribbean, her grandfather, 
came over with the Windrush generation. He turned up at an Anglican church and he was, came for the morning service, came back for the evening service and was barred from coming into church. And that is not uh, an isolated example. There were there many, many examples like that. So uh, her father, uh, so her grandfather was Windrush. Her father, uh, I think her grandfather became a bishop in the uh, Pentecostal church. And you see the, just the, the tragedy for the Church of England that we lost this move of the Holy Spirit that God offered. These were spirit-filled Christians coming to this country. And if you, look at the, if you look at the decline in the Church of England, it was quite steady until Windrush. And then, since then, there's been a, a big drop-off. And I think we paid the price for rejecting the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said it's not a good idea to reject the Holy Spirit. And we've had 70 years in exile. And as you know, that's why I feel passionate about the Peter stream, which is an attempt to put right. Not enough to repent, you have to put things right. And the Peter stream is an attempt to put right that. And to, because the result of slave trade, Windrush, is that the global majority are very underrepresented in the Church of England. So that's the first reason I feel passionate about it, is the evil of racism. Uh, the second reason I feel passionate about, again related to my family, is the beauty of diversity. Mm. We've just come back from spending a week with my daughter and son-in-law, whose uh, father comes from the Punjab. We were in uh, staying uh, in uh, his, the parents' bedroom and uh, just seeing these pictures of, uh, you know, the, just the, it's just so beautiful, diversity. And the three grandchildren there are all of mixed heritage. Um, and um, our, our son is married to someone from Bangalore. So uh, those three grandchildren are also half Indian. Um, and it's so beautiful, so enriching. And that's how the church should be. Uh, the church is meant to be diverse. Um, and Paul has a, a, a word that he uses that he prays for the, the uh, polypoikolos. It's the manifold wisdom of God to be revealed. And the word polypoikos is, is a hapex legomena. It only appears once in the New Testament, and it appears once in the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. And uh, it's translated manifold, variegated, but in the Septuagint, the Greek translation, is the word used for Joseph's coat of many colors. And it's the beauty of diversity. And in heaven, as you know, mm -hmm. Revelation 7, verse 9, before the throne of God, there will be every race, every tribe, every language, uh, worshiping Jesus together. And Jesus prayed, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's God's will? It's uh, in heaven. Mm -hmm. Diversity is not eliminated, it's celebrated. And uh, so God's will is that we should, in the church, celebrate diversity. And you know how beautiful it is. HDB is 42% global majority. Uh, the clergy um, are now 42% global majority, which is an exact representation of London, which is 42%. And that's how the church should be. It should represent the city, the place it is, and 
have that beautiful diversity. And as you know, on Sunday morning, you get up and you look out, it's like the United Nations. It's so beautiful and so attractive. So that's why I feel very passionately about this. Sorry, the long answer. No, no thank you so much for sharing about it. I, um, if it's okay to ask you, you know, you mentioned your children. You also mentioned your father who may um, struggle with PTSD after what happened in um, Germany. Did you ever feel like you had to process that for yourself afterwards and, and the impact that living with somebody who had PTSD had on you? Have you had to navigate what would have been, um, would have had layers of complication in your relationship there? Well, it's a very good question. I probably should go and get counselling right now uh, for it. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think I ever have done that. But I, I do love Germany. Uh, you know, the first time we landed to do a conference in Germany, I felt uh, something, something happened in my spirit. Um, and we're going to do another conference there in... So today I was recording a greeting for a conference in Germany, 10,000 people gathering Catholics and, um, and Protestants together. And I love going back there. And I love to... I feel a, a, a connection... Uh, my father would never go back, and he didn't want us to go back uh, while he was alive. But now I feel um, reconcil a need for, for somehow it's part of reconciliation is to go. And I love the, I love the German people. And the, I, the young people still feel guilty about what happened. And it was nothing to do with them. It wasn't them. It probably wasn't even their parents. It might have been their grandparents in some cases. But the guilt that they feel is, I feel like I need to say, look, we are brothers and sisters. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, there is no, there's no condemnation. Do you? And so I feel a, a particular love for, for Germany and the German people. It's funny, isn't it, how sometimes God has taken what has been one of the most challenging things for, your, for the Gumbel family and used it to bring around his purposes um, I, my father died in the summer just a few weeks ago and it was a complicated relationship that I had with him but totally unbeknownst to somebody who I bumped into in the street a few days later they stopped me and they said that they had a word for me mm -hmm. um, and it was about how God had brought me to London into my um, current role at HTB because he had a plan for how I, um, how he wanted to use me as a father, mm. and the way that they shared that word was so specifically like God spoke exactly into, you know, through what I have learned from a complicated relationship with a father, yeah. God will take our most difficult things and use them for His greatest yeah. purposes. And it is an example in your life yeah. that what was a very personal tragedy in your family. Yeah. I have I have huge huge respect. Um, more and more respect for my father um, and everything he's taught me and, and the sacrifices he made. They were, you know, my parents were the great generation, part of the great generation who sacrificed everything for their children. He came here with virtually nothing and worked so hard. Um, and my mother worked so hard and they scrimped and saved to give us the, the best education the best start in life that we could possibly have so it's a 
it's a it's a strange um but i would love to have been able to talk to him mm -hmm. to find out where he went to school and what university and what life was like now i found some pictures of him skiing and you know it's like and the life he had before and his sister said to me he was a totally different person you she said to me you never knew your father mm -hmm. and that is that's very sad that's that that he that i never knew the person the fun loving mm -hmm. um young person who was uh, had loads of friends and was um traveling the world and was um you know he was he was a barrister in germany and he was disbarred he was thrown out he was not allowed to practice any longer um and his cousin emil gumbel was a professor at the university and he was um thrown out of the university and i have a, now there's a book that's just come out about his cousin emil gumbel um, and the speech that Albert Einstein made um, put, with a thousand students assembled saying why Professor Gumbel should not be thrown out simply because he was Jewish. Wow. Um, and he was a fr Einstein got him a job in France. Wow. And then when Hitler invaded France, he, must, he got 24 hours ahead of Hitler and eventually got to America where Einstein again got him a job. And if you Google Gumbel, the name Gumbel... Uh, <laughs> Emil Gumbel will be the first one up. Wow. And if you study maths, you'll find the Gumbel distribution. Wow. Um, but, you know, the, and my, my parents had a, my family, Abraham Gumbel's um, nephew, who was also called Abraham Gumbel, started the bank, the Gumbel Bank, which was confiscated uh, by the Nazis in 1935. Now Volksbank. Mm. And um, so maybe one day we'll get it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. And Nikki, we're currently kind of living in a time where there's a mm. pandemic of anxiety. Inside and outside yeah. of the church, people are saying a lot that they're suffering with anxiety. Is there, has there been a time in your life where you feel like you've suffered with anxiety and how you've overcome that? Yeah, I have many, many um, times in my life I've suffered from anxiety. Um, I think... Um, uh, I posted on Instagram um, yesterday a picture. Oh, I saw. Uh, of a, of a, a sort of, it looks like a sort of 70 year old man. And the, the caption is um, uh, being a pastor is not at all stressful. And then it says underneath, Duncan, age 22. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> so I, now I think, I think um, there are lots of stresses in life. Everyone goes through stresses. I mean, if I could live my life again, I think I w would change virtually nothing except try to do it all without anxiety mm -hmm. because so much of what you worry about doesn't actually happen. But there have been particular times. I think uh, my life changed uh, in July of 1996 when I was playing squash with one of my closest friends, Mick Hawkins, who was 42 at the time, and uh, he dropped dead on the squash court, um, just with no warning really, he just dropped dead of a heart attack. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't save his life. I didn't, um, you know, we did everything we could, but, but he, he died. And um, of course it, the, the, the loss was far greater for his wife and his six children five of whom I have done their wedding and one of whom I would have done if they'd, not, if they'd been in this country. But they're all 
wonderful, wonderful, wonderful children. But it's a huge sadness that he never saw, for example, his youngest son, who was six at the time, now being uh, a deputy head teacher of a very prestigious school um, uh, and at a very young age. And all of them have done brilliantly. But it was a big shock. Yeah. And a year later, I was playing squash and I thought I was having a heart attack. And I really thought I was having a heart attack. And I um, did, it was basically, it was a panic attack. Mm. Um, and after that, I started to have um, quite a few panic attacks, mm. thinking I was having a heart attack. Um, and uh, that went on for, for a few years. And, you know, I've had mental health issues. I've, you know, I've, I've got help. And I think it's important if you are suffering from anxiety, it's not, there's nothing wrong with getting therapy or getting medical help or taking prescription if, you, if that's necessary. Uh, you know, I think we should use, just like if you have a broken leg, you, you, it's okay to go to the doctor. Yeah, we can pray for healing. Um, and um, sometimes people, oh, you know this, Chloe, sometimes people are miraculously healed and yeah. we always do that. But sometimes people are healed through the medical profession. And that's the same with your brain. Sometimes your brain needs medicine um, and sometimes it needs counseling, therapy and so on. And I think that's, 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 that's it. Mm -hmm. um, interesting, I was reading the Bible in one year, yes, day before yesterday, um, in Philippians. Philippians is, is famous, one of the famous verses in in Philippians is where Paul says, have no anxiety mm. about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made, to God, made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So that's like, oh yeah, have no anxiety. Yeah. That's the Christian state, have no anxiety. But I noticed earlier in the letter, so the bit I was reading, where he talks about, he hopes, he's talking about Timothy and Epaphrodites. And he says, I hope as a result, I will have less anxiety. Mm. So he obviously did have anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> and he talks about his anxiety for the churches. So it's that balance between, mm. um, you know, everyone has anxieties and uh, we have to, um, you know, part of it is praying, let your request be made known to God. But it's also not, I don't think we should say, oh, you, you're feeling anxious, therefore that's a sin. Mm. You know, Paul was anxious. Jesus was anxious when he sweated blood. You know, that was, I, you know, I don't know what you call it, anxiety, but it was, it was, yeah, you know, going to the cross. Yeah. Uh, it, there must have been a, in, enormous pressure to be sweating blood. Um, so it, it is, life is full of pressures and troubles. And as Kay Warren says, life is much more difficult than you think it's going to be. But, you know, we have to, we have to, sometimes things are a mystery. Like I think, you know, Mick dying on the squash court will still be a mystery. I don't know why God allowed that. I can see good things that have come out of it. Um, certainly for me, but it's hard to see it for his wife um, um, or for his children. But uh, you know, oh, there's, there, there are things in life which remain a mystery. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we have to live with that. But at the same time, um, you know, we should, we should pray. Then, uh, like Paul says, bring your requests to God. 
and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds. So it's, it's good to pray mm-hmm. and it's good to have friends around you. I think one of the things that really helped me when I was going through perhaps the worst, I think during lockdown was the worst period for me towards the end of lockdown. Um, and I had friends who really stood by me mm-hmm. and prayed and, um, and showed just unbelievable um, compassion and wisdom and support. And I think we need, we need good friends. Yeah. And it's good to build those relationships before you hit some real issues mm-hmm. because you need them when you are in hard times. Mm-hmm. One thing that I sometimes find difficult is with my non-Christian friends, how much to share when I'm struggling or mental health or things are wrong because yeah. sometimes as a Christian I feel like I should have it together and God loves me and he's with me and you know therefore he'll help me and you know yeah. okay you might be struggling with something but that's because you know you don't know Jesus whereas I know Jesus yeah um do you have any advice on the text no, I of think Matt? I think we need to be you are all human mm. and I think our vulnerability is important. We connect with people through our vulnerabilities. We think we'll impress people by our strength. Temptation is, I want to really impress them, and then they'll be interested in my faith. Mm-hmm. But we connect through our vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. And actually, if you want to connect, we've got to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I think, and authentic, and say, what? Well, yeah, we do, we do have our struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jesus makes a difference in the midst of those struggles. And I think that's more honest, mm-hmm. and it's more... Um, authentic Um, and Jesus didn't promise us a trouble-free life he promised us a great life Um, and I think it's it yeah I think vulnerability is part of authenticity and I think that applies to all our friendships Um, and uh, in a sense I think in one sense we should treat everyone the same Mm -hmm. not you know not like they're all that everyone's human everyone's loved by god everyone's created in his image and i think if if more open we are the more likely they are to be open with us and uh, to be able to really connect nikki thank you so much for joining us on our stay curious podcast it's been amazing to get an insight into some of the things you've been thinking about and a little bit more of a behind the scenes of somebody who has We've watched both on stage and in your incredible ministry with Alpha over the last, I'm going to say a number that's wrong, <laughs> 35 years. And it, what number Alpha calls you on now, Nikki? I just about started my 100th. Yes. in a row. No, I've done more than that, but the 100th, I don't count. It's like getting, if you, if you miss a term, it's like getting out. To, back to zero. Back to, yeah. Yeah, back yeah. to zero. Okay. Back to, 100 not out. 100 not out. 100 not out. 100. So winning three, streak. Three a year. For 33, uh, over 30, well, over 33 years. Now wow. start 34th year this year. So wow. uh, I started in October 1990, doing, not missing a term. So I haven't missed a term since October 1990. And about to start at Holy Trinity, Clapham Common. And um, so uh, that's our local church uh, at the end of our road. And there, of course, starts next week. I'm doing the first talk on Is There More to Life? And... This guy turned up looking at our, the house next door to us, which is a building site now because they're having renovations done. And he was with, with all his gear and his um, a rucksack. 
and he was like, I've just rented a room in this house. He was trying to ring the, ring the bell and um, the builders were saying, there's no room here. Um, and I came out and said, you know, look, no, no, they, they, I know the neighbors, I know they wouldn't, I know they're away. So um, he realized he'd been scammed oh, no. um, and um, he'd paid 800 pounds in advance. Um, and so I said, oh, come in, you know, let's contact the bank. Um, 26-year-old guy from Zimbabwe. Um, and I said, um, and just as he was leaving, I said, um, I just gave him Johnny's book, Loved. Um, and I didn't really think too much of it. But two or three weeks later, I got an email from him saying he'd read Johnny's book. Wow. And um, it had, had it transformed his life. Could he come and see me so we went for a walk and i told him about alpha and so he's joining our small group wow. Fantastic. Um, uh, amazing guy a very good cricketer foot, uh, rugby player i think he'll love because htc has got a fantastic sports uh you know there's a lot of touch rugby and stuff i'm just hoping he'll become part of that community mm. and uh, um you know i think he has found a relationship you know he restored a relationship with god yeah. And, but there's so many opportunities. There's so many people who are it's, they're curious. Yeah. yeah. And we have amazing opportunities yeah. to to invite. Them. You are an inspiration, Nikki. You are like a salesman. Always be closing. Always be <laughs> yeah. recruiting for Alpha. <laughs> yeah. Always on the lookout for an Alpha guest. Well, we hope the hundredth Alpha goes yeah. well. And I'm I sure we'll. I'm sure we'll all be going home and googling the Gumballs and looking into your history. Uh, you're looking into the Emil Gumball. Yes. The Gumbel family. But thank you so much for your honesty and vulnerability. It was really excellent to chat. Oh, I love being with you guys. Well, if you are anything you're curious about and want us to discuss on the next podcast, or if you have any more 40 before 40 updates for Al, then you can email us at uk at alpha.org with podcasts in the subject or DM us on our socials with our Run Alpha Instagram. Thanks so much for joining us and catch you next time. Mm-hmm.